Amen. Proverbs chapter 4 today. So if you got your Bibles, let's go there. Just open them up. I'll read it to you in a few minutes. But if you'll get that to that place, chapter 4, we're going to be reading from verse 20 to 27. And um, this is the second message in the series on Proverbs, the five fools. And uh, a newspaper cartoon. I always loved newspaper cartoons back when I used to read the newspaper every day. I don't do that anymore. I read it online, but uh, I used to love to get the actual paper in my hands. And it showed an auto, this uh, cartoon showed an automobile balancing precariously over the edge of a cliff with an embarrassed husband at the wheel and his disgusted wife sitting next to him. And he meekly says to his wife, honey, there's got to be a lesson here somewhere. It was a lesson, all right. His wife said to him, the only way to end up in the right destination is to choose the right road. And you did not choose the right road. I don't know about you, but there's, uh, there's sometimes little cartoons and little sayings that get your attention. And that's what the book of Proverbs is. The book of Proverbs is all of this incredible amount of wisdom that is stuffed into these 31 chapters in the Bible. And you'll discover as you read the book of Proverbs that, that there are two pathways, the pathway of the foolish and the pathway of the wise. The pathway of wisdom, the pathway of folly. A pathway of life and the pathway of death. And those two pathways are, are really the pathways that all of us experience in our lives. There are times when you're on the right path, going in the right direction. And there are other times where in the wrong path, going in the wrong direction. And when you're on the wrong road, you find yourself at places at times where you're teetering on the side of a cliff. And you wonder, how in the world did I get there? What led me to that place? How did I find myself in a place where I can see death almost right in front of my eyes? The Bible says, Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to life. God wants you on the narrow road, on the narrow path, living as a wise person and not as a fool. The Bible talks about this idea of a fool in the, in the scripture, in, 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 in Proverbs, and he talks about five different fools. And we're going to look at another fool today, and we're going we're gonna to discover some of the things we shouldn't do. And then in the end of this message, I want to give you some clarity about how to live like a wise person instead of like a fool along the way. So let's read together Proverbs chapter 4, starting at verse number 20 and reading down through verse number 27. Would you mind standing with me one more time as we read God's word together? Solomon, who was the wisest person on the face of the earth at that time, he put all of these, uh, these Proverbs together. He wrote most of them. He wrote it to, uh, uh, in many respects, to his own children. Many times he says, my son. He can also say, my daughter. You know, where he is trying to help them to live the wise way. Here's what it says in verse 20 of chapter 4. My son, pay attention to what I say. 
Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. <coughs> Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Speak to us, I pray today, in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and God's people said, amen. Amen. The word fool is used approximately 110 times in the Bible. And in most cases, it speaks of one who is arrogant, self-sufficient, and lives a life where there and lives a life as if there is no God. The American College Dictionary describes and defines a fool in these words. It says, one who lacks sense, a silly or stupid person, a weak-minded or idiotic person. A person who makes dumb decisions is a fool. And many of us have made foolish decisions in our lives. There's probably been times where you've looked at yourself and said, you dumb fool, what were you thinking? What was in your mind when you made that choice along the way? But my hope and prayer is that you and I will together collectively and individually learn how to be wise people. God doesn't want you to live like a fool. Actually, the scripture gives us, I want to give you a challenge here in the very beginning of this message. And the challenge, again, will help you to grow in wisdom. I want to be encouraging you to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Chapter of Proverbs every day. There are 31 chapters. There's 31 days this month. We're on, if you're reading through it every um, a chapter a day, today is day number nine. You should be reading chapter 9 today. If you're behind, either catch up or pick up from right where you are and keep on reading. Why do I say that? Because I believe with all my heart that the Proverbs are a great source of wisdom in your life. It will help you to live on this path of being a wise person, a person that lives in the light, a person that lives the right way. There was a story told about a guy named Stephen Scott who was sitting at home. He was depressed. He was discouraged because even though he had a degree in marketing, he had just lost his ninth job in six years. I'd be depressed too. Lost his ninth job in six years. He saw no future for himself. He had lost all hope. In all sense of a purpose in his life. And he asked a close friend for advice. That was probably the wisest thing he could ever do. Was ask his closest friend for advice. That friend was, was a guy by the name of Gary Chapman. Some of you might know that name. He wrote the five languages of love. 
It's a great book. It sold millions of copies. At that time, Gary was an associate pastor at a church, and he, inv- he, he gave this advice to Stephen Scott, who was depressed, who felt like life was going nowhere. He said this, if you will start reading a chapter of Proverbs every day and start living your life and making your decisions based on what it says, I guarantee you, that in two years you will be smarter than, the bo- than any boss you have ever worked for. And if, you, and if you'll do it for five years, I will predict that you will be close to being a millionaire. Now that's a pretty good challenge, wouldn't you say? Well, Stephen Scott, he had no other choice. He said, you know what? I'm going to take your advice to heart. And he began to read the book of Proverbs every single day. He began to learn them and live the principles of the Proverbs. And they became part of his story, part of his life. By the time he was five years after that advice, he had had an incredible job and had become a millionaire. Now, I'm not so interested in the money portion. Because I think wealth is one of those things that can come and go, and you can be dirt poor and still wealthy. Okay? Wealth is not just about how much money you got in a checking account. Actually, the book of Proverbs tells us that if you're a wise person, it's worth more than gold. It's worth more than silver. It's worth more than all of the riches this world could offer you. It is beneficial to every area of your life. But Stephen Scott goes on to share that it not only helped him to be successful in his career, but he learned him to be successful in his marriage, his friendships, his spiritual life, his relationships. His entire life got better because he took the word of God, the Proverbs, the wisdom of, of the wisest man ever walked the face of the earth, and he began to put it into practice. He turned, went from living a foolish life to living a wise life. And my hope and prayer is that you, because I want to tell you in five weeks, there's no way we can cover everything the Proverbs say. But you can read it and it will, it will speak to you in powerful, powerful ways. So I want to challenge you again. Read your Bible. Read the Proverbs. Let them soak into your heart and into your life. You will be richer, you'll be smarter, you'll be wiser, and you'll be better if you'll take what you read and apply it to the areas of your life that it speaks to. It is full of rich, rich wisdom. Now, in the scripture, there in the book of Proverbs, the foundational scripture, we talked about this last week, is Proverbs 1.7. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And you remember the fear of the Lord is not being afraid of God. It's a healthy respect of God. It's living your life with the idea that there is a God. He is the creator. He knows best. He has your life in his hands. And that ultimately you'll give an account to him. That's the fear of the Lord. That is the beginning. This is the very beginning. This is not all of wisdom, but this is the beginning of wisdom, it says. But it says the opposite. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fools despise wisdom. Fools say, you know what? I don't need God. I don't need his wisdom. I know better myself. 
I know my way. I know what I want. I'm going to live my life my way. And I am not going to listen to anybody else. That is a foolish person who lives a life that leads them to destruction and ultimately to death. There are five fools in the book of Proverbs, and we just want to review those again. There is what is called the simple fool. We looked at that last week. The simple fool is the simpleton or a person who is young, a person who begins life and doesn't have a lot of experience, a person who has not lived long enough to know better. And they are seeking. This is probably the only fool you ultimately want to be. You want to be a person. And all of us at one time or another was a, were a simple fool. Or as the scripture says, a simple one or a simple ton. Somebody who doesn't know. But needs to learn and needs to grow. And we talked about that fool last week. The next one is what we're going to talk about today is a silly fool. And I'm going to define that for you in a moment. But each of these fools, by the way, you digress into. You go from one level of foolishness to another level of foolishness to another level of foolishness to ultimately the worst kind of fool, which is the very bung. Next week, we'll talk about the sensual, the scornful, and ultimately the steadfast, stubborn fool who just lives a long life of foolishness his entire life. But let's talk for a moment about this idea of a silly fool. Because the silly fool is a thick-headed and bent on doing foolishness. It's thick-headedness, you know. It's somebody who, who, has, who refuses to learn. Who refuses to learn by, by trial and error. By listening to instruction. It's somebody who, who seems to learn slowly or they have to experience lots of pain in their life to ultimately come to the place where they experience the truth that God wants to give to them. And unfortunately, there are some people in this room today that you've been a silly fool at some time in your life. You, it, you like, I should have learned this when I was younger. I should have gotten this when I, was, when I was going through this or that. But I still am learning the same lessons over and over again. I've got a thick skull and a thick heart. I need God to work. And the good news is God's grace still continues to work on you. It still continues to try to penetrate your life. A silly fool. Some of the characteristics of a silly fool are these. Number one, they are always seeking a good time. It's that person that's always about the party. Always about the next greatest thing that's going to go on. Always about the next good thing that's happening, you know. They are always seeking a good time because they are living their life based upon what they think is the best way. They're seeking a good time. They, they has, has, they has, has fun breaking the rules all the time. In other words, they don't care about the rules. They just think that rules are only there to be broken. And if you can break them and not get caught, then you are wise. You are such a wise person. They think they are better and smarter than everybody else. And then there is the seeks wrong friends. A person who constantly seeks the wrong group of people to hang out with. The wrong group of people that are also going down the wrong path. And find great amounts of comfort and joy because they find that there are other people who are doing the same stupid things they are doing. That's silliness. That's a silly fool. 
And then this is, a, this is the fourth characteristic. They fail to receive correction from authority. They fail to receive correction from authority. Whether it's their boss, their spouse, maybe it's, their, it's, their, uh, it's the police, maybe it's a judge, maybe it's a pastor, a coach, whatever authority it might be. But they fail to hear the correction. The teacher that tries to teach the student, whatever it might be, they fail to receive it and they push away from it. They are set on doing what brings the immediate pleasure and that's their only priority. It leads to destruction. And they are on track to becoming a sensual fool, which we'll talk about next week. This is a person that has already started on a path and on a road to living a lifetime of foolishness. They are living a lifetime of steadfast stubbornness that's going to ultimately lead to the de their demise. And it will happen. There are times where you'll, you'll see people and you'll shake your head and you'll go, how in the world did they get to where they are? How did that happen? How did they do that? Because one choice led to another, which led to another, which eventually leads to destruction in their lives. Let me give you some examples of, in Proverbs of the silly fool. There are lots of examples. Let me give you a few of them. First of all, the silly fool, the mouth of a silly fool, often gets him in trouble. A silly fool will always use words that are unwise, probably in the wrong tone, in the wrong way, in the wrong spirit, and find themselves constantly putting their mouth in, in places where th that gets them into trouble. The scripture says this, Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. One of the things you will discover as you read the book of Proverbs is you will discover that Solomon spends a lot of time talking about the mouth talking about what comes out of the mouth and what goes into your life that causes you to have words that lead to destruction. He is constantly teaching about how to use your words in a way that is wise instead of foolish. And you'll find that theme all the way throughout all of the book of Proverbs. He's trying to teach them how to use words. The mouth of a silly fool often gets him into trouble. The second example is when things go wrong for a silly fool, he becomes angry. But he doesn't become angry at himself. He becomes angry at others. He becomes angry at God. He blames everybody else for all of his own mistakes and all of his own choices. It's always somebody else's problem. Always somebody else's reason why they made that decision and they blame other people. And they become hotheads. They scream, they yell, they swear, they cuss, they throw things. They are out of control. They are be living a foolish life because of their own foolish choices. And instead of taking responsibility, they blame other people for it. Look what Proverbs says. A stone is heavy, and the sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Did you hear that little saying? A stone is heavy, sand is heavy, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. In other words, the fool is out of control, 
and finds themselves getting mad about stuff they shouldn't get mad about. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have been disappointed in myself because of the way I've responded to certain situations in life. I have said things, responded in ways, and acted in ways that in hindsight I look back and say, you, Kevin Hardy, are nothing but a foolish man. A foolish man. And you do not exert or, in, or, or shine the light of Christ who lives in you. You need to get control of yourself because you are allowing certain situations to control you. When things go wrong, the silly fool becomes angry. Here's a third example. A silly fool believes that his own way of thinking is right. He believes his own way of thinking is right. The scripture says the way of a silly fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Silly fools don't look for advice. Silly fools don't seek advice. Silly fools believe that they are the right way and they have the right answer and their path is going the right way, so therefore they do not seek out advice from others. You know what wise people do? Wise people always seek advice. Wise people always look for the counsel of many to make choices about the direction of their life and their choices about how to live their lives in such a way that God can be exalted and grown into their lives. All three of these examples, which are beautiful examples or, or ugly examples of what a, what a silly fool is really all about. My hope and prayer is that today, right now, that as you have listened to what the scripture says about a silly fool, that you'll ask yourself, am I one? I hope and pray you're not. And as we go through each of these five fools, they're going to get deeper and they're going to get uglier as you get deeper and deeper into them. But sometimes we can find ourselves in little bits and pieces of each of these. And we begin to say, oh Lord, help me to get on the right path on the right road of wisdom instead of the road of destruction. Because God wants us to live a life of wisdom and truth and righteousness and holiness along the way. So our scripture today gives us some real practical, I think some encouraging ways to help us to live on the wise way. I don't want to just focus this entire series on the negative. We've already looked at the negative. Let's look at the positive side. Let's look at how we can get off of the silly fool road and get on the right path of wisdom. You see, wisdom for going in the right direction. Notice it says there in the very few scriptures that we read there, he says, my son, pay attention. My son, pay attention. If you take your Bibles just for a moment, open it up and look at chapter 2, 3, and 4. Just with me. It's not going to be on the screen. But chapter 2, 3, and 4. Because Solomon begins to describe for us in chapters 2, 3, and 4 the path of wisdom. He talks about the benefits of it. He talks about the protection it gives you. It talks about the direction that it gives you. 
Wisdom is not something you receive as if you, you know, pass a test and now you can follow it. Wisdom is the very presence of the Holy Spirit that works in your life, that guides you every single day. But it's wisdom is something that needs to be sought, needs to be intentionally looked after. And you will find in chapter 2, 3, and 4... Solomon in writing this, he goes back to this idea, my son. You'll see in chapter 2, verse 1, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands with you. You'll see there in chapter 3, verse 1, my son, do not forget my teachings. You'll see there in chapter 4, verse 1, listen, my son, to the Father's instructions and pay attention and gain understanding. And there, and then again in verse number 20 of chapter 4, he says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Now I want to tell you something. Sometimes we can act like we're paying attention when we're not. Sometimes we let it go in one ear and out the other ear. Because we're hard-hearted, we're stiff-necked, we're, we're refusing to hear the instruction that has been given to us over and over and over and over and over again. And if you're a parent, you understand this. Because you have given your children instructions many, 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 many times. And you feel like they're not listening. And it's hard because sometimes as parents we say, all right, I, I've said it so many times, I'm not going to say it anymore just because I feel like I'm a broken record. But Solomon took the, took the challenge or even took, the, took the, the, uh, the, the, the risk to say to his ch children and say to his son over and again, son, pay attention, pay attention. What I'm trying to teach you is going to give life to you. It's going to benefit you. It's going to make your life better. It's going to make your direction better. It's going to make your friendships better. It's going to make your career better. It's going to make your marriage better. It's going to make everything better if you'll listen and gain wisdom. And so over and over again, he talks about pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. And this is why I want to encourage you to make the book of Proverbs part of your daily reading of God's word. Because you'll read it and then you'll go back and read it again and you'll go back and read it again. And everywhere along the path of life, you will find something, no matter how young you are or how old you are, how long you've been following Christ, maybe it's been a few days or years and years, God's wisdom will direct you and give you direction in your life. He says, do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are, notice what they are. What is, what, is, what, what, they, what is they, the teachings, the instructions, they are life to those who find them and health to man's whole body. Man's whole body. A woman's whole body. In other words, your whole life will be better. If you will follow the instructions that God's word gives to you in the book of Proverbs. 
It is the way of life. And so he is coming here in chapter 4. He's coming to there. Because chapter 5, 6, and 7, he switches and gives all of the bad stuff about the bad road. The foolish road. The road to destruction. He goes through all of the reasons why you shouldn't go down that road because that road will lead to this and this and this. And this will be terrible on your life. Chapter 2, 3, and 4 is all about the benefits of getting on the right road. And so here we have the very end of chapter 4. Solomon is summarizing the importance of following the wise way. The way of wisdom. And he says they are life to those who find them. They are life to those who find them. I love how he says, by the way, if you go back up and just, 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 just humor me for a moment, would you? Go to chapter 3, verse number 23. <coughs> Actually, start at verse 21. He says, my son... Preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. What is he talking about there? The ability to make wise choices. The ability to make right decisions. The ability not only to know the right thing to do, but to the desire to do the right thing. See the difference? He says preserve that. They will be life for you, he says, an ornament to grace your neck. Like a chain around your neck that you would wear. They will, this, this discernment and wisdom that you take throughout your life, they will be like something that will guide you every step of the way. And then he says in verse 23, then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, catch this, your sleep will be sweet. Have you ever been on the wrong road? And you know you're on the wrong road? And, and, and stuff is out of control in your life and you go to lay your head down and you can't sleep because you are so worried and you're so full of anxiety and you're so full of concerns about the way your life is going that you can no longer go to sleep at night. You are restless. You are tossing and turning and you find yourself miserable. Or have you been in this part of life where you're like, God, you got everything. My life is in your hands. I walk with you. I live for you. I live the right way. I'm walking the right path. I have no enemies. I am up to date this way. I am up to date this way. I have been a good steward of my finances. I am living my life for you. And Lord, when I lay my head down at night, I go to sleep and I have sweet dreams. Solomon is trying to teach us here. That there is a place in life where you can have peace that passes understanding because you're walking the right path, living the right way. My son, 
Please pay attention to me. Please pay attention to me. Listen to my instructions because this is life. Life that is so much better. So then Solomon goes on to remind him of four things. I want you to see this. It's on the back of your notes. Four things. Wisdom for going the right direction. He says four things. He's, these are things he's already said in chapter 2, 3, and 4, but now he's summarizing at the very end of chapter 4. Okay? He says four things. Number one, he says, guard your heart. Now, heart can also mean, in Hebrew, when they thought about heart, they were really thinking about the mind. Okay? So it's not like this organ in your, in your chest that you kind of just guard it, you know. He's not talking about that. He's talking about, talking about, about what goes into your life. He says, guard it. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. What does it really mean to guard your heart? What it means is, he's talking about what defines you, what motivates you, what drives you, what, what is your passion all about. The world says, just follow your heart. Just do whatever you feel like doing. Just, just follow your heart because that's real meaning. But the Bible says that if you follow your heart without guarding your heart, it will lead you to destruction. It will lead you to pain. It will lead you to suffering. It will lead you to evil. So the scripture says, don't just do whatever your heart says to do, but guard it. But what are you guarding it from? You want to guard it in such a way that you are constantly saying to yourself, Lord, are my passions and my desires in line with yours? Are my passions, my desires, my thoughts, my heart bent on what you want and not on what I want? Because all of us have had passions and desires that we know are not of the Lord. I mean, when I was young and I was dating a girl, I was like, wow, yeah, I, I, I was wanting to go places I know I shouldn't go to. And my mind was going places, but I loved her. She was so awesome. But I knew I remember the first time when I was a young teenager, I had sex with a girl when I was 15 years old. And I thought it was going to be the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. But I walked away that night feeling guilty, feeling lonely, feeling dirty. Because I turned something beautiful into a selfish act that did not bring life. Sometimes our hearts get bent on things, buying things, the house, the car, the, the, the clothes, whatever it might be. And we think that that is the answer that's going to satisfy. And then we get it and it gets old and it doesn't matter anymore. Sometimes we think it's this job or this experience or whatever it might be. And what Solomon is trying to say to his son is you have to constantly guard what your passions are all about. Because you've got to answer this question. What do I really want to want more than anything else? 
That's what he's getting to. What do I really want to want more than anything else? And what Solomon is trying to teach us is that our first desire should be always, we want what God wants for us. We want his will above our own. We want what his purposes are for us. And so what do we need to pray? God, change my want to to the things of you. Card me in such a way that I will be focused on the things of God. Here's the second thing he says. He says, um, uh, I don't have time to do all this, so I'm going to skip that. Okay. Number two is watch your mouth. He says, he goes on to say, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep your corrupt talk from far from your lips. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Now, on a basic level, we would say swearing, cussing, lying, cheating, slandering somebody, gossip, all of those things that come rolling out of our mouths at times that bring death instead of, instead of life. God says your words and your mouth needs to be guarded or, or it needs to, you need to watch what goes on. My mother would say to me at times, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap because of the things that were coming out. Now I remember one time I was in the car with her and I'm driving, I was like 17 years old and I was flipping off at the mouth at her and she did something I never ever saw my mother. My mother was a mild-mannered woman who didn't really discipline really well. But as we're driving down the road, she's driving, I'm in the seat, she went, smacked me right in the mouth. Startled me. But here's what she said. Watch your mouth. And sometimes the words that we say bring death. They bring death to the people around us. They bring death to the people that we love. Our body language, all the things that he says. Solomon is saying, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. In other words, you want to live the life of a wise person? Guard what comes out of your mouth. Because the scripture says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It speaks. And if you've got garbage coming out, you've got some problems inside that God needs to take care of. Sometimes it's unforgiveness. Sometimes it's bitterness. Sometimes it's a, a feeling of, you know, I, I'm just so sick and tired of being sick and tired that it comes out wherever you go. And you know it's pretty ugly. And you know it's sometimes perverse. And you know it sometimes is corrupt. But it's foolishness that God needs to take care of. He says, put it away. Get corruptness out of it. Jesus says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. Here's number three. <coughs> I, don't, um, I, I was going to give you a bunch of Proverbs again for that, but I don't have time. Number three, fix your eyes, he says. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. You see, the direction of your life will always be focused upon, upon the direction your eyes are fixed on. But here's what happens so often in our lives, especially in a world today where we have so many distractions. How many of you have ever done this? You're reading the Bible. You've got your phone there. You've got the television clicker here. You've got the radio over here. And you go from reading the Bible to Facebook to TV to this. 
How many of you have ever done that? Hmm? We can't, we just, we just can't keep our attention. We can't keep focus. Now that's a microcosm of your life and your direction. Some people say, all right, all right, God, I'm all in for you. I'm going to follow you every day. I am going to give my life to you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to, I'm going to turn a new page. I'm going to go a different direction. And then tomorrow something else comes up. And then the next day something else comes up. And your direction and your passions are constantly being pushed in this direction, that direction, and this direction. God wants a wise person stays in the same direction long enough to see the results. They stay in the same direction long enough to see the results. They don't look back. They don't look to the left. They don't look to the right. They keep their eyes on the goal. They have a desire for the things of the Lord. He says, let your eyes look straight ahead. He's not just talking about your physical eyes here. He's talking about the direction of your life. Look forward to what the direction you want to go. And the best thing you do is keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Paul says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. I press on. I keep going. I don't give up. That's wisdom that God gives to us. Number four, here's the fourth one. Point your feet. Notice what he says. Make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. He goes on to say, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. Notice he goes from heart to mouth to eyes to feet. In other words, your life needs to be one built on a solid foundation. The foundation of the beginning is the fear of the Lord. God is number one. And you want to walk in a direction that is ahead of you, keeping your eyes on the goal. And you want to be following a path that is not set on the right or the left and all the distractions that are going on. But you want to build it on a firm foundation where the foundation is so solid that, that it's not constantly finding yourself falling into pit holes or, or falling into traps. But you are following a path that's laid out for you in the right direction. That is a path of wisdom. It's not a path that leads to pitfalls. And here's what God promises you. That if you'll walk this path, and you'll keep your eyes fixed on the right goal, you'll guard your heart, and you'll fix your eyes on the right things, not on bad things. Here's what the scripture says. I'll bless you with a great life. I'll bless you. I'll protect you. I'll guide you. I'll direct you. I will keep you from harm. I'll watch over you. And you'll look back on your life and you go, God, you've been faithful. 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 As you have walked the path of righteousness, of joy, of peace, of Jesus. 
Amen? The worship team's going to come. We're going to sing an old familiar song, a song that most of you know probably without even looking at the words, but one that I think we all should sing on a regular basis, I Surrender All. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Oh God, my Father, thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help each of us, Lord, to stay on the straight and narrow path. That you'd help us to fix our eyes and our hearts and our mouths and our feet. That we would stay centered on Jesus. Help us to pay attention. Help us, Lord, not to get swayed by this or that or this distraction or that distraction. But God, stay true to you. I pray this in Jesus' name as we sing together. If you need to pray, you know the, you know the place is a place of an altar here. Why don't you come and just talk to the Lord for a moment before you go home today. Make sure that you're taking what you hear and putting it into practice. But if you need to pray, just come. The altars are a place of prayer for all of us by yourself. No one else will come pray with you today. This is a private prayer time. If you need to pray, once you come.